Well, I want to thank you for being here this morning. We're a little short on people this morning. I know that some people called and had relatives and friends come in and everything, and they couldn't be here this morning. And uh, before we get started, I need for us as a church to lift up some people. Uh, Martha Brown, most of y'all know who Martha is. And, uh, you know, she's over in uh, Arlington right now. Uh, she was in Weatherford Therapy Center over here at a, at, a, at a convalescent place, and she became unresponsive. And they took her to Weatherford Medical City, and anyway, she was very unresponsive. She was in the uh, emergency center, and they called her for an ambulance to come and transport her to a facility in Arlington, Arlington uh, Medical City, and uh, she has fluid on her brain now. And she's had an aneurysm for quite a while at the back of her brain, at the skull back here. And they couldn't do much, they couldn't do surgery then. And they feel like that is where the fluid is coming from, that she may be bleeding some from that aneurysm. And they're doing a bunch of tests on her. I'm, I haven't been able to see her since she's been over there. I'm going to call Tim, talk to him, and see if they're letting people come in yet to visit with her and see her. And uh, I know I went to uh, Weatherford and visited with her in the, in the emergency room, and she was just totally unresponsive. I got to get up there close enough to hold her hand and talk in her ear and told her, Martha, this is Brother Bill. I'm here. I'm going to pray with you. I said, if you can understand or hear me, squeeze my hand. Well, I felt just a little squeeze. So I'm taking that as she was able to know I was there. And I prayed for her right then and there. And they say anytime that a person is bad, always talk to them. They say hearing is one of the very last things there is to go. So I made sure that I told her that I loved her. And God was with her. And uh, she's going to be okay. So they transported her to Arlington, and I have not got to see her since she's been in Arlington, but they transported her over there because they said they had access to neurosurgeons over there where they didn't at Weatherford. And they said they tried to find something in Fort Worth. They said all the hospitals are full. I guess with flu season going on and this and that, they didn't have a room. So they found her one in Arlington, so that's why they transported her to Arlington. So I'm going to get a hold of Tim, see if I can get a hold of him today, talk to him, see when I can go over there. And two, we want to keep uh, Rhonda, daughter in prayer, Brittany. She has had to have, a, have surgery on an abscess that was uh, underneath her uh, chin here that was due, I think, from a tooth. They had to remove the tooth, but they can't get the infection uh, out and they've been running IVs in her now for several days and uh, it, it, it still hadn't, hadn't done a lot of good so when I leave here today I'll be going to uh, Fort Worth to the hospital there and uh, seeing her so I've got quite a bit and two y'all keep uh, <clears throat> Jennifer Steele in prayer she's up here in Azel she's got that RSV and uh I talked to her on the phone just a little bit ago before church, and she says she's feeling a little better, but she don't know exactly when she's going to get out. And she said, uh, you probably don't need to come up here because this is contagious. 
and so I'm not going to go see her, but I did tell her if she needs anything to call me because if they know I've been around something like this at these other places, they won't let me in to see the other people. So y'all keep Jennifer Steele in prayer, uh, keep Martha in prayer, keep Brittany in prayer. Uh, we just got a lot of things going on right now. And I don't know why it is. Every time it seems like holidays, get her here, Christmas, is when a lot of things start happening. And we got another lady I'd like for y'all to keep in prayer. Her name is Delinda Galladay. They've been here several times, her husband Chris. Well, it's, it looks like Delinda lost her mom this morning. And I'm going to try to get a hold of Delinda and Chris and see if they just need to talk or anything, and I'll go see them. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a pretty busy season and the way things are going. And so, but y'all, uh, if, if you have a problem, please call me. Do something like uh, Jennifer. I didn't even know she was in the hospital till late last night. So uh, a lot of times I don't see things on Facebook. A lot of times I, you know, I, I don't see the things. So if there's a problem and you need prayer, you need something, please call me and let me know so I can get to you and and, and take care of things. And uh, so, but anyway, that's about it for right now. And and is. Like I said, I was doing some thinking. I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like this time of year and everything. We just got so much stuff going on. Always seems like there's a problem of some sort. And sometimes we want to try to handle it ourselves. I was reading in the Bible a story, a parable that Jesus had talked about, and it was a parable on the prodigal son. And that got me to thinking. As I got to going through this, I picked up some stuff that I've read this I don't know how many times. But I picked up some things that I never picked up before. And I'm just what I'm going to look at this morning. Uh, the prodigal son, as most of you know, it was a young man that felt like, I need to get away from home. I need to leave my mother and dad. I need to get out on my own. I know I'm old enough to do what I want to do. Well, he went to his father. And he demanded that his father give him his part of his inheritance. Well, that boy wasn't entitled to anything at all until his father passed away. So y'all realize what this young man was saying when he was demanding his father to give him his part of the inheritance? He was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. And that's how that father took that. But that father still loved his son. That father didn't argue with his son. He gave him his part of the inheritance. Now, you know, this was the young son, and there was an older brother. Well, in the Jewish times, the oldest brother got the biggest portion of the inheritance. The oldest brother would get like three-fourths of the inheritance, and the younger brother would only get a quarter. So he only got about a fourth of what the father was worth or had at that time. Now, the father was a very wealthy man, but the father didn't argue with him. I'm sure he tried to talk to the young man, tell him, you know, you need to stay at home. Uh, it's not time for you to leave. It's not time for you to go away. I need you here. But the, father, but the son wanted to get away. 
Probably the older brother was ordering him around, telling him to do this, telling him to do that. Probably the father had certain things he told him that you must do. And the son wanted, well, I'm tired of this. I'm going to just get out on my own. And the father tried to keep him from it. And, uh, but finally the father said, okay, son, I'm going to give you your inheritance. Now, it sounds like the father maybe didn't care. No, the father loved this young son very much. But the father didn't know what to do anymore. He tried to talk to the son. So, you know what this father done, whether we realize it or not? He was putting this young man in God's hands. He said, Father, I can't do anything with this boy. I'm giving him to you. You take care of him. You watch over him. Send him back home, Lord. But, Lord, he needs to be straightened out. And I can't do it. So, Father, I'm just turning him over to you. So that father turned his son over to God. said, I can't handle this. There's many times we try to handle things on our own, and we can't handle it. When the best place we could put that person is in God's hands. Let God take care of it, because God knows everything that is going on. He knows the situation. He knows what was going through that young man's mind. And uh, so anyway... Uh, I guess the father said, Lord, you just do with him whatever you have to. And uh, I don't know if you've ever read this story or not. Probably most of you have or you've heard about it. But have you ever noticed that in the parable of the prodigal son, there is no mention of the father from the time the son left until the time the son came home? The father didn't intervene in what he told, asked God to do. He said, God, he's in your hands. I've tried, I can't, but you can. And so we don't hear anything of the father until the son gets ready to come home. And, you know, it, and it looks like the father watched his son leave and just simply waited for him to return. You know, the... the but I want, to, I want to show something because we, I, I just noticed this myself. He said, the father, he must have known what his son was doing while he was away. Because in Luke chapter 20, you'll find this story in, in Luke 15. But here in Luke 15, 24, the father says, this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. He knew what his son was doing. He knew his son was living in sin. He knew his son was going against the things of God. So evidently, the father had had somebody watching and reporting to him on what his son was doing. The father was keeping up with the son, but yet he wasn't interfering with what God was going to do. And you know, when we read this story, we see that God even allowed this young Jewish boy to get so low he was ready to eat with the pigs. He had money when he left. Oh, he had a lot of friends till the money was gone. And after the money was gone, it said hard times fail. And this young boy was trying to find a job. He didn't have any money at all. He was hungry. He was wanting to eat. And uh, a pig farmer hired him. Now, this is highly unusual for a Jewish boy. See, pigs, hogs were totally an unclean animal, and they had nothing to do with them. But this boy was hungry. He needed to eat. So he went to work for a pig farmer. So he got, but he's, in, the, in the scriptures it says he got so hungry 
that he was willing and he was ready to eat with the pigs. He was ready to eat that pig food. And, and they had what they called a pod that they fed the hogs. And that young man was ready to eat those pods for being so hungry. And then it goes on, it says, as the boy was there uh, with the pogs and with them, all of a sudden, and we know this had to be God, all of a sudden this young man said, he came to himself. In other words, he said, what am I doing here? Why am I here with all these hogs? I could be at home. I had plenty to eat. There were servants. I had money. I had everything I wanted, everything I needed. God was waking this young man up. See, the Father put this young man in God's hands. And so, as he thought about this, he said to himself, I know what I'm going to do. And he thought, what am I going to say to the Father when I get back home? He, was already, made, he already had his speech made up. Father, if you would just forgive me. I know, I'm, I know I was wrong when I did what I did and I left you. He said, but Father, if you will just make me as one of your servants, I'll come back. I will work for you, Father. I will work as one of your servants. Well, we see that the young man started back. But in this whole time, we know that the father knew what this child, well, what his son was doing. So he, the father had reports coming back to him on his son's activities and what he had done, and which I'm sure was discussed with the rest of the family. Because here in Luke chapter 15, in verse 28, and then in verse 30, it says, The older son became angry. Why did the older son become angry? Well, it says right here in verse 30, but as soon as this, now this is, a, this is an older brother talking. He said, but as soon as your son comes home, which has devoured your living with harlots. So he was running around with harlots, spending money, doing everything here, just wasting it. And this young man was very angry when the father let this, let, let this younger brother come home. He said, and when he comes home, you have killed the fatted calf for him and throw it a big party. <coughs> and yet, while his son, while, his, while the son was gone, the farmer never once stepped in to rescue the son. He had turned his son over to God, and he was going to let God handle it. He wasn't going to interfere. I think that's where many of us go wrong. We try to interfere in what we've turned over to God. God does not need our help. Sometimes we can hinder God more than we can help him. But what we do, See, God already knew what he was going to do. He already knew what the outcome was going to be. So sometimes when things are not going right in our life and, and circumstances come about, the thing to do is turn it over to God. Let God take care of it. And so that's what this, this father did. And, uh, and many people think, well, the father was uncaring. No. This father was truly knew, he truly knew that he could trust God in God's grace, his mercy, and he could bring about, a, God could bring about a whole different situation in this young man's life. He could change his life, and, he, and that father was saying, God, I know you don't need my help. As bad as I want to, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to leave this totally up to you. 
and uh, the Father, I, I, I think, you know, as we look here at James, in James in chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, now this is hard to do. But this is what James is telling us to do in hard times. When we trust God, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Sometimes, how many of you know we have to have patience? We have to wait upon God. And sometimes waiting is very hard. I know. Sometimes waiting can be very hard. God, come on, let's get with it. But God's got a plan, and we just have to wait upon God's plan to take place. And it says here in, in verse 4, it says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting for nothing. He says, We have to have patience. Let God do what he has to do. Don't try to rush him. Don't try to hurry him. As bad as you want things to take place and happen, let God work in his time. God's timing is always right. It's all, God's never early and he's never late. God's always right on time. And he'll do it in the right time. So, you know, a lot of times we use this passage right here uh, during our own personal trials. We can look at this passage and quote it. Wait a minute. Here in James, it tells me I need to have patience. I need to wait upon God. God knows what he's doing. God doesn't need my help. I just need to sit back and let God do what God needs to do. And that's hard for us to do because we want to jump in and help God. And they really, what we're probably doing is hindering God. God knows what he needs to do. and he does, Like I said a while ago, he does not need our help. And... Uh, these verses should encourage us to fully trust God and to rejoice because we know he will use our trials to bless us because of our faith and trust in him. That's the whole thing is putting our faith and our trust in God to let him take care of what we've asked him to do. Why are we going to ask him to do something if we're not going to let him do it? Many of us will go to God in prayer asking for different things and then we want to rush in and hinder God in what he's doing. Sometimes we just have to back up as hard as it could be, as hard as it is. Because we want to know exactly what God's doing, what's happening, and God is just saying, have patience, I'm working on this, and I will take care of it. You've asked me to do this, and I will do it. And <clears throat> so, you know, as painful as it was for that father, he stayed away and let God do what God needed to do. God woke up this young man. He put this young man, like I said a while ago, in the pig pen. This young man was about to starve to death. Nobody to help him. And finally, I believe the Holy Spirit, God sent that Holy Spirit to talk to that young man. Why are you acting like you're acting and you know you're wrong? Many times we do things knowing we're wrong when we do it. Well, God woke this young man up and this young man, just like I said a while ago, says, it's in the Bible 
and it says, and the young man, as he was in the pig pen, he said he came to himself. Or he says, he realized, I'm wrong. I don't have to be here. I don't have to be suffering and going through these things that I'm going through. He said, I had a good home, a good father, a good family. I had everything I needed. And yet, I got mad one day, and I left. Now, I see where I'm at. I see where it leads me. See, the Father knew that God would take care of things. He trusted God. And that's what God is asking us to do, is to trust Him. When we come to Him with a prayer, and we turn somebody over to Him, then get out of the way. Don't try to interfere. Let God take care of what needs to be taken care of. You know, I'm sure that father knew exactly that son was in the pig pen. I'm sure that father knew his son was hungry. I'm sure he knew exactly what his son was going through. But yet he didn't interfere. He trusted God to take care of everything. And we know that God did. This young man started back home. And he said, and the father was outside, and he looked down the road, and he saw his son coming. They said the father didn't wait for the son to get there. The father ran to that son, throwed his arms around him, started kissing all over him. And he wouldn't even let that son talk. That son was trying to tell him, Father, I have sinned against you. See, how many times, this is a lot of times what we need to do, is run to God and say, God, I have sinned against you. Forgive me. God will forgive you. But that's what this young man was wanting to do, is tell his father, Father, I have sinned against you. Forgive me. Make me one of your hired servants. But before all this could come out, he hollered for, for a couple of his servants to come. He says, give him the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. See, back in those days, only, only the nobles, the, the higher-ups wore shoes. All slows were barefooted. The robe, the best robe, what was that? That was probably one of the father's robes. Get my robe, my good robe, and put it on my son. Put a ring on his finger. The ring, you know what the ring was? The father was restoring this, this boy back to sonship. This boy, this boy probably thought, my father will have nothing else to do with me. And when that father said, and bring him a ring, that ring that, this, that the sons wore had, a, had their family crest on that ring. They could go into town if they needed something. They could take and use that ring with that crest on it. They would dip it into like a, a wax or, or an ink, and that's how they would sign if they bought something and signed for it. They would take that crest on that ring and put it on that paper, showing that that son had purchased this and the father was good for it. They didn't even need to carry money around. It's kind of like us with a credit card. That's kind of what that ring was. It was like a credit card. Right? He restored his son back to sonship. And that's what made the other son so mad. He says, here, your, your son comes back. You throw him a big party. You kill the fatted calf. 
There's, there's singing and dancing going on. Many of the neighbors come around. I've been here with you all my life, and you never even gave me a kid goat to do anything with. The father looked at that young uh, his son and said, Son, you've always been with me. You could have had this any time you wanted it. You never said anything. But you could have had a party any time you wanted to. And like I told you a while ago, when that young man left that younger brother, he only got a fourth of what the of of, of the estate. Everything else belonged to the older son. He had three quarters of it. He still had it. The father was very disappointed in the, in the older son, but he still loved him. He said, look, we read it a while ago. Your, your brother at one time was dead, spiritually dead. But now he is alive. He has come home. He is back with us. He is alive and well. We should be rejoicing and having a party because of his, of his health and he's back with us. Sometimes, if this father had not have turned this over to God, none of this probably would have happened. But the father knew he could turn this young son over to God, let God take care of the situation, and everything would be all right. And it was. So sometimes this is just a lesson for us to when things go wrong in our life, sometimes you have to love somebody enough to let them go. Let them go. See what it is. And then let God send them back to you. Let God send them back. Love them enough to let them go. This father loved his son enough. I'm not going to try to hold you. I'm going to let you go. You're going to learn a lesson, and you're going to learn it the hard way. But when you learn it, you're going to remember it. You're going to remember it. So here's what it says. When someone we love goes astray, we need to continue to lift them up in prayer, to always let them know that they are loved and they're cared about. Never give up hope when you turn them over to God because God's going to take care of it. But allow God to finish the work he started. Don't interfere. Let God take care of what he has started. You know, it's, the Bible says that God will finish what he has started in each one of us. You know, he started to work in each one of us. He will finish that work. We just have to let him do it. Stay out of God's way, be obedient to God, listen to Him, and let Him take care of what needs to be taken care of. And it may be uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable for this son, but he learned a lesson. And, and, and from just reading of this story, he was content when he got back home because after all he went through, he knew he was secure in the Father. And I want us to know we are secure in God the Father. He's watching over us. He's taking care of us. He, he sees the things that's in our life even before we see it. And he'll try, to, he'll try to turn us away from some things to keep us from going through what this young man here went through. But if we're determined that we're going to do something, a lot of times God will say, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. 
you're going to wish you hadn't have done it, but go ahead. And we'll learn a lesson that probably the hard way. That we, that we, if we listened to God, we wouldn't have had to go through some things we've gone through. And, uh, but we should never give up hope. And like I said a while ago, allow God to finish the work he has started in us. Let him finish up things. And uh, above all else, we need to trust in God to love enough to let go if need to be. To love somebody enough that if you need to let them go, let them go. And then trust God to do his work in them that will bring them back home. God loves them too. He loves them as much as you do, maybe more. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you feel. And God wants you <clears throat> to know he is doing what he needs to for you. And we may not see this all at one time, but the thing is to trust God, to let God do what he needs to do. It may be very unpleasant. I'm sure when this father learned some of the things his son was doing out there, his father was very uneasy. But he says, God, I turned him over to you. I trust you. I know you're going to do what needs to be done. So, Lord, I'm not going to interfere. And it's the same thing we need to do. Get out of the way and let God be God. Let God do what God does. We may be uncomfortable with some of the things, but in the long run, it's the best for you, and it's the best for the other person, is to let God have his way. And uh, it just says here, as I was reading this, I run across this, it said, trust God and then love enough to let go if need to be, and let God finish his work. He finished his work in that son, and the son returned home. More love than he had ever had. He'd been through some things. He said, I never want to go through that again. So sometimes God's going to put us through things that we never want to go through again. We're going to learn a lesson. And it may be a hard lesson. It may be a hard lesson. But we can learn from it. So if, if you would, I'd like for the, for the band to come up. And I'm just, I'm just going to close right here and just, when you turn something over to God, get out of the way and let God have it. Don't try to help God. God doesn't need our help. God will take care of the things that need to be taken care of. So it comes a time that we just have to say yes to God and then step out of the way and let God take care of it like, like he should. So if, if you would, if, if you're here today and you're going through some things, <clears throat> maybe you need to turn it over to God. Maybe you need to turn it over to God. Say, God, I can't handle this. But God, I know you can. If you're here today and you need to turn something over to God, we've got altars up here you can come to. I'll be here down front. I'll pray with you. But let God do what God does. And his love for you, he will take care of your situation for you. <coughs> so if you're going through something, 
Please, don't try to do it yourself. You've probably been trying for no telling how long. Just give it to God and let him do it like his father did. He turned his son over to God, and God took care of it. So if you've got a problem today and you need to give it to God, please come down. Come to the altar. I'll pray with you, but let God take care of it. Thank mm-hmm. you.